Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Back at it on a Monday, the last day of August. It's Kelly Kirsch. It's Peter Klein. Logan Gordon. A busy show today. As, uh, yeah, round two is uh, kind of whipping bias here in the Stanley Cup playoffs. We'll dig into that a little bit. Also update everybody on what's happening with our uh, our playoff pool with Kevin Walker from Iconic. We'll do that coming up before 1 o'clock. But first... Let's kick off the show like we always do and talk to Lou. Flames insider Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Well, Peter, this is kind of a different sort of scenario I didn't see coming. Uh, (laughs) There's always a bit of a letdown, I guess, sometimes after the first round. Mm -hmm. But um, there's some teams that maybe have got their groove going. What, What are you seeing? Uh, so far in the second round, there's some teams that look like they are uh, they are ready to stay in the bubble as long as it takes. Well, I guess it depends where we want to start. So I would start maybe in some regards, Kelly, with the Dallas Stars. So if people are wondering whether the Calgary Flames faced a pretty good opponent in the official first round of the playoffs, I would suggest that they did. And the stars they, they all of a sudden. They've got to rethink some stuff, our, our, our Flames fans, right? I, I think they maybe we uh, did we underestimate the Dallas Stars with their, their crappy offense that turned out all they do is score now. All they do is score, and all that we witnessed even during that six game series is that they're deep, they're fast. They can lean on you. I think one of the great underlying stories for the Dallas Stars, Kelly, wouldn't you say it's it's Anton Hudobin? Yeah, now, has, mean, it all, has it always been beautiful and pretty? No. Gets the job even done. Even he's gotten the job done, and he's gotten the job done. What I think really makes it um, interesting is in Ben Bishop, for a team with an outstanding top four and led by Miro Haskinen and, and John Klingberg and both guys, you know, had their mitts all over yesterday's triumph, the five, four win over Colorado. And we're a huge, huge part of that. But, you know, there are some times when I think, if you think Dallas is making things happen now, what if they had Ben Bishop to help feed that transition even more yeah. with how he moves the puck and take even you know, more wear and tear away from people like Haskin and, and Klingberg and Alexiak and the very underrated but excellent two-way defending Essa Lindell. But, you know, it, it was funny because as we looked at the Flames series against the Stars, you know, and, and I get it, I wasn't far away from this outside of people get frustrated. I know that I'm, I'm not always the first person to want to number lines, as you know. And and one of the matchups in that series that Rick Bonus wanted was the Faxa line up against the Monaghan line. Well, guess what? He still likes that matchup, even up against the likes of McKinnon and that group. And, and haven't we even seen that group is continuing to prosper? They're making it difficult on even the elite of the elite and those led by Nathan McKinnon, that's the elite of the elite in terms of being able to produce offense. So let's give Dallas a little credit and they have veteran people. When Jim Nill went out and he got Corey Perry, who again, you know, was his typical menace 
drawing penalties, tucking early penalty, Joe Pavelski, where would they have been against the Calgary Flames without his hat trick? And, you know, it's it's hard for Flames fans. It's hard for me. I, I think I'd still be doing what I love to do more than anything, and that's calling hockey. It, Mr. Pavelski and I had three goals in game four, and especially the one with less than 12 seconds left. But the fact of the matter is, that's why you go out and you get those people, because yeah. they have a reputation of knowing how to do it when it matters the most. And, you know, Dallas and Rick Bonus and that group without Ben Bishop, um, they're a good team. And now they have what I thought was going to be a team that played in the Western Conference Final and Colorado on the brink. And the last thing I'd say, Kelly, about Colorado is two things. Every time we say injuries don't matter, they do. And when they lost Philip Grubauer, Pavel Francois is a nice story, but right now he doesn't look like he's ready for what this, you know, takes on. And the other thing about Colorado that I haven't heard talked about, when Eric Johnson went down in that series on defense, that was a massive, yeah. massive loss for the Colorado Huge Apples. loss in game one. Lou, you always, we'll get Peter Klein in the conversation too. Lou, yeah. you, you always talk about uh, weathering the storm. Like when you get out ahead of a team, you know the other team is going to push back. And that is what Dallas has been doing here. They have been able to weather the storm, whether it was for the Flames in the last round, or what Colorado can kind of muster, and for however they're doing it, might not be conventional, but they are they are making it work. Well, they are making it work, and so many games, regular season, especially in the playoffs, is that I'm not a big believer, and I haven't been Kelly now for a long time in terms of necessarily momentum within the course from game to game. I think every game is its own entity. But I, I, I always feel this way in a lot of games I've watched, and I do nothing, as most people know, but watch games and all kinds of different sports, and in hockey in particular. But I find in a lot of games there is going to be stretches where one team dominates to the other and then vice versa. And more often than not, and I've seen it play out, it played out probably in two of the three cases in particular yesterday, and maybe all three. I just, I watched two games a little closer than I did, um, you know, the Islanders game. But in in the Vancouver game, it was the case with Vegas. Um, It was certainly the case in the game between Dallas and Colorado is that what do you get done when you're clearly better? And how little water do you take in when the other team flips the script? Exactly. And do and do we need any more example than what happened for the Calgary Flames in Game Six? No, we don't. <laughs> no, no, we don't. No, no. Um, Klein, are you are you uh, are you buying Dallas yet, or do you see do you need to see more? Uh, I am buying the the Dallas Stars. I, I think they're a very interesting team, and it's funny we went into the series with the Flames thinking, well. I mean, there, there's a lot of firepower, but this team was like the, the lowest scoring team in the bubble and a, a pretty solid defensive team. So it might be some, some low event hockey. And now I'm pretty sure they're leading the bubble in goals and have still played pretty good defense, but are letting a few more in. And it's, 
uh, I want to get Lou's take on this. And I I don't know if I've seen a team just completely flip their identity. Uh, Maybe it was only perceived, but their identity from regular season hockey into the postseason, like the Dallas Stars have. It's it's almost Jekyll and Hyde. They were 29th in offense, weren't they? Yeah, yeah uh, they like were. The, they the were. Only... They were twenty sixth, I believe, depending on what offensive category. And for me, one of the categories is obviously, especially in a shortened season, you know how many goals you score per game. So they were. They were right in that twenty six, twenty seven category, and they were, you know, top five in terms of allowing goals. Now we've talked already today about Ben Bishop. Um, you know what, Peter, here's what I would say on that is a couple of things. Did you or anyone else necessarily understand how good somebody like Miro Haskinen was before what you've seen since we came back to play? This is certainly a level above what I thought. I thought he was good. I didn't know he was like one of the elite, right. and it looks like he's in that category now. Right. Did, did we necessarily think that Jamie Alexiak, who had been a first-round pick, but it been to a few teams. Did we necessarily, you know, when we took a look at this group as a whole, yes, the standard that they set for themselves is going into the playoffs. We were wondering way more about when are Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan going to break out, aren't we? Weren't we? Rather mm-hmm. than when is this transition-based, high-end defenseman-led team going to start creating? Well, that to me, and it's a great discussion that I'm glad that we're having, is, you know how for a long time I was saying, like, throw anything that happened up until March out the window? This is exactly why. Because after you have a pause, and you come back, and you work on things, and have we not guys seen young players after the reset kind of take off and get to a different level there's no distractions for them or less distractions for them i should say there's less distraction but you know what else it is kelly it's confidence and it's maturity and and what it really was was so if you give elias Patterson, who knows he's really good but you know he just had 70 games to go i can do this so i know what it looks like i know what my strengths are i know what my weaknesses are and did we not even see that with somebody like Dylan Dubé? Like, mm-hmm. if you go across the league, yes. Are there still players who are continuing, and we've talked about it, showing us that they have a track record and a history? Yes. And, and I thought that might be the case, and by and large, that's happened too. But we've also seen what kind of impact just good young players who in their own way have other experiences and they get to grow both physically, mentally, and especially where it matters the most, confidence-wise. You know, we talked with Dylan, and, you know, Haskinen to me is, is a perfect example. So is Elias Pettersson and, and other guys around the league where you know you're a good player and you know you're really skilled. But there's a difference between feeling that, having success, which obviously, you know, when you're the rookie of the year in the league, you're a pretty good young player. That, that goes without saying. But in the case of somebody like Haskinen, this guy's gone from third overall pick to now there's no doubt in my mind he's going to have chances to win the Norris Trophy. And when I watch Dallas play 
and it was exactly what the Calgary Flames had a difficult time with, and that was dealing with those guys because they trigger the whole offense. And when they get to spend most of their night pointing towards your net and not facing the glass, have we not learned that they're not capable of doing a lot of great things? We have. And here's another fascinating story about these playoffs. Did you think that the Vegas Golden Knights defense would be tied for the points lead amongst defensemen? I, Certainly I, not. I knew they'd be better, Lou, but I didn't think they'd be that much better. No, but again, so you talk about Vegas, which for me is the best team I've seen. I, I love this group. I love how they play. I love that, as Mr. Kirsch pointed out a couple of weeks ago, a lot of nights it's really difficult to discern between line one and line four. They can play it any way you want as a team, the way they move the puck use one another, their hockey IQ as a team is off the charts. The way they pass it, the way they move, the way they hound you when they don't have it, their power play, that's one heck of a hockey team, the Vegas Golden Knights. And right now, if I, and I'm not a betting man, thank goodness, um, it, it feels or looks to me like Tampa and Vegas might be on a collision course for the, for the title. Now, Dallas and other teams are going to have something to say about that before we get there. But, you know, again, the part about Vegas that's fascinating is you defend as a team and you play the game as a team. And all anybody has talked about with, with Vegas was, well, I don't know how they do it. That blue line's not good enough. But here's what happened. A couple of things. Shea Theodore, who, by the way, and Kelly, we didn't get to him the other day on Friday. Well, Mark Stone even said it after the game. He goes, here's another guy, another young guy, a 2013 first-round pick by Anaheim, I might add, who looks like he might be in the Norris Trophy race going forward. He's got 14 points. Pretty smooth. He's plus nine. He's a great skater. If you'd watched his trajectory going back to whether it was in his days in Seattle with the Thunderbirds or – especially when Canada's top defensive pairing at the 2015 World Junior, which Canada won a gold medal in Toronto and Montreal, happened to be two guys named Theodore and Darnell Nurse. Um, You know, he just keeps getting better. But the way they move the puck as a team, and, and that's what Dallas has done, your ability to get out of your zone quick, you get up on the attack, the offensive attack is... Again, it's about outnumbering people going from one end of the ice to the other. And both those teams, led by high-end people, are doing a terrific, terrific job. And, you know, looks like they're on a collision course talking about those two high-scoring defenses to potentially. Now Colorado's still got some life left. And I tell you what, I can't say enough good things about Vancouver. Wow, the experience that group and what they have shown us and the experience their good young people are getting. How Learning do you ever on the job, for... Lou. Learning oh, on the job. Oh, man. Man, am I impressed. Am I impressed with the Vancouver Canucks and, and what I'm seeing from that group in so many different ways. But, yeah, and, and again, sometimes unheralded moves don't seem to really move the needle at the time. But look at Vegas, and here's one guy I'll point to. 
You don't think Alec Martinez hasn't made a big difference on that defense? Stanley Cup experience, two Stanley Cups, knows how to do it when it's hard. He's plus 12 right now among the league leaders, along with J.G. Pajot, who, by the way, hasn't been a bad investment for the Islanders because it seems like uh, his history of scoring big goals in key moments, that doesn't go away. That's not an accident either. So what can I tell you? It's been about a long-winded way of telling you I'm – I'm excited, and it's been fun to watch and fun to track these guys and think about the different moves. And, you know, again, I think Alec Martinez was the exact excellent top four missing piece that Vegas was missing. And give Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee and that staff a ton of credit for going out and solidifying that group. Uh, I, I would imagine we'll have a bit more time to talk about Vegas. Uh, as you said, they're probably going to be around the bubble for a while. Uh, the opposition, the, the Canucks, so you've talked about it a little bit there, the experience that they are getting. I, I never really believed in moral victories in the playoffs because you're you're competing for the shiny thing at the end. But if there is such a thing, the Canucks are getting it right now with, like you said, the experience for guys like Pedersen and Hughes and, and Besser. This is playoff hockey 101 that they're getting, and I think they're probably going to be better for it long term, hey? Wasn't that an incredible display of hockey last night? I don't know about you guys, but, you know, I, I've I've watched so much hockey and, and have really just, I can't say enough good things about how great the hockey has been, but, but that last night was just an unbelievable spectacle of speed, skill, toughness, pushback, you know, Vegas that had completely owned second periods and Vancouver looked like they might have been on the ropes. Um, you know, they have a great second period and they're in the driver's seat up three to two and Vegas goes, oh, really? Really? Well, guess what? We're going to push now too and see how you're going to handle it. Um, but at the end of the day, there just there was not a whole lot, frankly, to separate those two teams. Getting back to what Mr. Kirsch asked me about, yeah, that was another one of those nights where in five or six minutes, guess what? Vegas got a lot done in the third period to win a hockey game, but that there was n- almost nothing to choose from those two teams. And I know that Travis Green, and, and that one hurt, his team trails 3-1, to one, but you always know coaches because you can tell when they get beat, when they don't think that they brought enough to the table. That wasn't what Travis Green had to say about his team despite the loss in game four. Well, I'm very disappointed in the result. Uh, I thought we came out a little sluggish in the first period. Uh, it took us a little while to find our legs. It was, <clears throat> and it was, I thought it was, you know, more than one or two guys. But uh, we're still in a decent spot. I really liked our second period, uh, which was a change against this team. And, uh, man, even in the third, we, we had our looks in the third. Jake has a one-timer right in the slot. And, uh, you know, they come down and kind of get a, a, a bit of a lucky bounce. And um, even again, I thought we still had some good looks. And then again, uh, you know, give their team credit. They, they found a way to come back and score three. But, uh, you know, there was a couple that kind of found their way into the back of the net. And, uh, you know, that's what good teams do, though. There you go. Now they're they're in tight now. Did the uh, guys, did the, the Canucks look? exhausted to me i mean their goalie for sure and and their their top their top guys look like maybe that was just too much hockey back to back 
I don't know, Peter. I, you've been watching this series really close. What, like, what, what do you think? I, I honestly, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I didn't. I saw a game where I thought Vancouver like emptied the tank last night. The one guy, Kelly, I would say though, Markstrom would have liked to have had a couple back. But even on the last two, you know, the one that the eventual, I didn't like the goal by Schmidt. You probably need to have that one. And it started the whole parade. Um, that's kind of a tough one on him that goes off catch or Eddie's skate. And Vancouver, I, I just thought what that game came down to for me last night, I didn't feel like it was exhaustion or that one team had had too much. I, I just thought one team did more with their opportunities. And I think from a Vancouver perspective, I'm with you. I think Markstrom's basically running on fumes at this point. This is the most hockey he's played consecutively in a long time, probably at any point in his life. But for the rest of the Canucks, I think it can look like they're starting to wear down because we're used to this team playing with a little bit more pace and a little bit more speed than they were able to, especially like Lou said, when Vegas got rolling. But I think it's a lot of what Vegas can do to slow you down. Again, with guys like Stone, it is very difficult to get out of your own end cleanly with that speed. And it's uh, quite difficult to get things going and really start to, to style on teams when you have the defense playing as well as the Vegas Golden Knights. So I, I think... Any any look that it might be slowing down is more Vegas is dictating how this is being played rather than Vancouver wearing out. And I agree. And where Vegas has the edge for me, guys, is depth, and that's mm-hmm. and that's what's showing. You know, even Kelly, what you you know we've already referenced it once, a couple of times, is they just they keep coming at you and coming at you, and they are. You know, that team really should have a big R on the front of the jersey and the back, and it stands for relentless. And and they believe in one another. You know, look at last night. So they put Marc-Andre Fleury back in, doesn't phase them. John Merrill hadn't played a hockey game in six months, and they put him in in a back-to-back situation, and he had an assist on the Schmidt goal and held his own on his pairing with Zach Whitecloud. That's just, that's what can happen when one team has depth and they just keep rolling. They're a hard team to play against. And you're right. They can make your pace and your best people look exhausted because that's what they do to you. Exhausted is kind of a good word. They make your whole group feel exhausted with how relentless they play the game. Well, guys, do we see uh, a couple uh, teams bow out tonight? We've got Boston, Tampa Bay. Uh, the first game will join in progress at 6 here on Sportsnet 960. And then uh, Dallas and Colorado will get right back at it, and that'll start about quarter to 8 or so. Uh, we'll join it uh, as soon as the other game is done. But, Lou, what do you, what do you think? we got a couple teams bowing out, getting out of the, getting out of the uh, bubble? You know what? I, I have a sneaking suspicion that Colorado is going to extend it. I just probably nothing more than a gut feeling and you know Tampa I think has really found their stride I don't think Boston has had enough good performances down the depth of their lineup but in elimination situations I know this about Boston's best guys Bergeron, Marchand, Chara and company if Tampa is a little off tonight 
they'll find a way to get to six too. So looking forward to both and won't be surprised if both of them are extended. Although I don't know, I just Tampa looks like they've maybe finally found it. But in saying that, I don't bet against those other guys very often either. So we'll see how it goes. PK, what about you? Yeah, I, I, I don't see Boston's veterans. Li- like, I don't – seeing Boston or Colorado lose in five, regardless of the opposition, just doesn't seem right. Uh, the I, I think Boston extends it to six. Colorado's problem, like, Philip Grubauer isn't walking through that yeah. door. Like, the, the, the no. goalie situation they have isn't changing going into this one. And I, I just don't think, regardless of the talent Colorado has, that the, the loss of Grubauer is one that they can get over. So I think that one's done tonight. And the other thing is about that PK, and it's an unbelievable point. I remember, I remember Jerry James sitting me down in his office in Esteban, and I was 18 years old, and he talked about the importance of, you know, great goaltending can make an average team really, really good, but he said poor goaltending can make a really, really great team look pretty average. And in part, isn't that what we're seeing right now, yeah. along with the yeah. loss of Eric Johnson? They, they, they're not playing with the same swagger. And there isn't a hockey team on planet Earth. When you go on the ice, you cannot perform with the same confidence if you feel like every time you make a mistake that that red light might go on. And so, PK, that's I'm with you on that one, my friend, 100%. All right, guys, we'll, uh, we'll let Lou uh, take off, and we will talk tomorrow. We'll see what uh, storylines we have for your Tuesday, the first day of September. And it's, I was thinking about this getting ready for work today. <laughs> our, our, our worlds are upside down. This would be kind of where we'd start to have our, you know, Flames radio production meeting for the new yeah. season and stuff. Yeah. It's like, mm, not this time around. So that's how that's going. But we'll, uh, we'll find the storylines and talk to Lou tomorrow for sure. Okay, guys, have a great one. Flames insider Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. This is Hockey Central at Noon. I'm Kelly Kirsch, along with Logan Gordon and Peter Klein. You know, guys, it's it's 2020. It's the last day of August. And uh, one thing I never thought would happen to me is getting complimented on my mask. I've had... Uh, you know, can rock in the uh, the tub mask, right? And uh, people have been saying, "Boy, that looks sharp, Kirsch." And I go, "I know it does. It's it's amazing what uh, what what guys get compliments for these days." Yeah, no, and that's. I mean, I, I'm assuming this was to yourself while you were looking in the mirror. But no, the the Yo. masks are. <laughs> no, the the masks are sharp for sure. Like they, there's not a whole lot of things that make me look good, but these masks are, are definitely up there for sure. Well, I noticed Logan, if if you put the mask on and then you wear some shades and a ball cap, you can look quite menacing. Just an idea for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't really need help in that department, but uh, if I uh, decide to make a change, guy? then uh, I'll I'll definitely remember that. He is trying to look incognito uh the official mask supplier of sportsnet 960 the fan is alberta's very own tub masks uh you know what here's the deal they will make them up for your uh for your team your company your event whatever it is they make them with military grade breathable neoprene they look awesome they last a long time and you can get yours right now get on the old uh, interweb there at tubmasks.ca customizable fully adjustable durable 
military-grade breathable neoprene masks with removable, uh, removable anti-fog nose clips. The masks that will last at tubmasks.ca. We'll take a break and uh, talk a little. We haven't talked about Islanders uh, Philly uh, that much, so we'll dig into that next right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Kelly Kirsch, Logan Gordon, Peter Klein. Here we are on a Monday, the last day of August, and we're talking hockey right here on Hockey Central at noon. Guys, uh, the one... One series I we really kind of just brushed over in the last last little while is the Philadelphia New York Islanders series, um, and I guess maybe the old cliche Peter Klein of your best players have to be your best players uh, is kind of coming ringing true a little bit as uh, Konechny and Giroux they just are not scoring for the Flyers, so that is uh, that is a hard ask to, to let your lesser lights try and you know get you to the next round. What have you made of the Flyers and Islanders series so far? Yeah, the Flyers, um, I would imagine this is a very frustrating time to be a Flyers fan because I I thought they played good enough to win against Montreal, but they probably, with the talent they have on the roster, probably shouldn't have needed six games against the Habs. And we, we had Eric Engels on during that series, and he brought up the point that Montreal for large stretches of those games were dictating the pace and dictating how those games were being played. And then eventually Philadelphia was just better. And that ends up winning. They're not going to just better the New York Islanders. This is an Islanders team that one through four in their forward lines are going to make you work. And when they're comfortable rolling four lines and a couple of yours aren't going, that's a really, really tough ask. And Lou mentioned it in the last segment, JG Pajot, Apparently, all this guy does is score important goals in the postseason. Jordan Eberle, this is back-to-back playoffs where I've kind of liked him actually a lot. So there's just there's a lot of members of this Islanders team that are really clicking. And like you said, the the Philadelphia Flyers' best players, this isn't just a these last four games against the Islanders. This has been a lot of the playoffs so far, and now they have completely run out of runway. It is tomorrow or it's not at all for them. I, I don't know what's been holding them back this whole time, but... The, the the sins of the past are, are kind of coming up now because they did not look great against Montreal and now they're not looking great again. And they, like I said, they don't have a lot of time to turn that thing around. Logan, we're, do we give more respect to the Islanders and Barry Trotz who gets things done or is it uh, the, the Flyers? They're just, you know, they, they looked good. You know, they had a pretty decent regular season, but man, if those guys don't get going, it's going to be tough times in, in Philly if, you, if you're out that quick to, to your kind of your, not your arch rivals, but one of those teams you, you like to beat up with the Islanders. Well, I would just probably say it's a bit of column A and column B. I mean, when Barry Trotz has been able to do this successfully on a different number of teams, now you have to give him the benefit of the doubt that, you know, it's just part of what he does when he gets a team fully committed and, you know, playing the style of hockey that he wants. But at the same time, I mean, you can't deny the fact that, you know, the biggest stars for the Flyers, you know, going back even past this postseason, it's been a long time since Claude Giroux scored a playoff goal for the for the Flyers. And when they lose out on a guy like Konechny not having a good playoffs, then you're you're not in a good spot when you're playing a defensive team like the Islanders, period, let alone, you know, when some of your biggest stars aren't playing. So it's going to be an uphill battle for, for Philly. It already was against a team like the Islanders, but... Now it's going to be even harder. And PK, they, the Flyers have been searching for that goaltender. They've been searching and searching. 
and they thought maybe some fans thought they maybe rushed Carter Hart, but uh, for the most part, there's been a few uh, wobbles, but may, you know, <laughs> he's not been the problem. No, no, not at all. He, he's been very, very good. And going back to that Montreal series again, he was a big reason why they were able to escape a couple of those games without their best stuff. And now in this one, he is giving you everything and keeping the Philadelphia Flyers in a lot of these games. No, the, the Philadelphia Flyers uh, of yesteryear, where the team of the first decade of the, the 2000s, Roman Czechmanix, probably their goalie, that the, this is a different Flyers team. Now, it is kind of weird that what we're talking about, well, hey, at least they got the goalie situation figured out. We haven't said that about the Flyers in basically my entire lifetime. No, we, it, we have not. It, it's been a long, long time. And now we uh, let's jump off to the the other series, the, the Tampa Boston, who uh, you know Tampa Bay was you know a team that obviously last year was a disaster for them in the playoffs, and people were wondering, oh, is it going to happen to them again? It looks Logan like they've got it together. Man, what I've seen of that series, to me, it looks like they are they're playing their style of game, and they are kind of forcing Boston to try and keep up with them. Yeah, it feels like Tampa Bay's kind of, you know, whether it was getting over the hump of of dealing with Columbus last year or just, you know, getting to their game a little bit better on a whole, it just feels like they've found the way that they want to play and how things are going to go for them. And look, we've, I think on paper, always given them a lot of consideration and uh, it just hasn't, you know, always translated into playoff success. Well, now they're a win away from, you know, another Eastern Conference yeah. final and a chance at the Stanley Cup. So, and, you know, to, to get over a team like Columbus in the first round is, is never easy, as they learned last year. And we always know Boston's a tough out, so look out for Tampa Bay. I, I wonder, guys, if it was uh, if it was that big, long overtime game that they, what they beat Columbus. You wonder, since that has happened, they seem to have a groove. Peter, am I uh, am I right on that? Because that was quite the game. It went on and on and on, and that would be the one that maybe in the past they would lose, but they found a way to keep at it despite they were like shooting everything they had at the goalie there for Columbus. But that was maybe one of those kind of watershed moments for that franchise to say, "Yeah, we we can play the hard games and and stick with our with our plan." Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, there was a lot of talk about can this team win in the postseason. And when you look at the resume, like they've been to the conference finals, I think three of the last six years. So I, I think that the, the Columbus series, I think, skewed a lot of people's mentality. But also that was definitely one that had the Tampa Bay Lightning questioning things. And when you talk about how hard postseason hockey is, it doesn't get much harder than an eight hour hockey game. When you put in a full shift of work in a hockey game. That, that's a, a pretty difficult task and for Tampa Bay to come out of that and then be able to to build on it, bounce back after losing three to one and just have that confidence to just anything that comes at you. No, 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 no. We are this good. And it just felt like they knew how to handle adversity a whole lot better than they did a year ago. So, no, I, I think you're pretty bang on. That was a big learning how to win moment for this team. So we'll see what happens with that game. We'll have them both for you right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. And then as we, uh, uh, I, I don't know about the, we talked about the Golden Knights, but I, I think, Peter, I, I hope the Canucks fans, not that I care if they like it or not, but I hope they're impressed that they've got some big-time efforts from these young guys that hadn't had a lot of playoff experience, if any, 
and they've shown, you know, the Pedersons and Horvats and these guys that they can play and they can elevate and maybe they're, you know, a couple players away or whatever. But I mean, I, I think it's been, it's been a real awesome summertime for Canucks and, and their fans. Well, and you've seen these guys grow during this playoff, right? Like you've seen Pedersen kind of figure things out a little bit from the Minnesota series into St. Louis and now Vegas. And you've seen Brock Besser kind of learn a few things. Quinn Hughes has had to do a lot of learning because he is one a on a lot of teams game plan. And it looks like he's kind of adjusting. And what the, I think the main thing that Vancouver has established in this is that Bo Horvat is a playoff performer. Like that this is the best stretch of hockey we have seen from Bo Horvat. And for the Vancouver Canucks, as you said, this is not necessarily a radio station that cares what Canuck fans think, but I if you're a Canuck fan, I don't know how you're extre- how you're not extremely excited for the future of this team, the Markstrom whatever. Who knows how that's going to play out, but I think you could check off can they handle postseason hockey for Pedersen and Hughes and Besser. And now it's just figuring out how do you surround these guys for success. And I think a lot of that comes to can you get away from Roussel and Beagle and some of those contracts and be able to build around your core? Because it doesn't seem like having those playoff experience players is all that necessary to this group anymore. Well, yeah, and, and I guess, Logan, you wonder if the Canucks have some stuff in the pipeline and they can bring up so you don't have to pay those guys. You can have your own guys come up and fill those slots. That's the ideal sort of thing, which, by the way, I'm not 100% sure the team they're playing has that with the Golden Knights. But anyway, your thoughts on, on where, where the Canucks maybe go in the future? I don't want to write them off. They might come back, but even, even if they don't, they've, they've had an, an amazing summer so far. Yeah, I mean, we know what, you know, this, the – task is ahead of them it's never easy a 3-1 lead is never something that's you know going to be easy to come back from and especially against a team that's had you know pretty good success against you all series long but you know as far as the future is concerned for Vancouver I think you got to be happy that you've had this postseason experience with your young players and going forward the task will be you know how do you pay these guys and still remain competitive and that's when you talk about you know internal players being able to fill those spots at a cheaper role and you know, the guys like the the Michael Furlins, maybe the Tyler Myers, you know, those are luxuries you can afford when guys are on rookie contracts. But, you know, do things change when Elias Pettersson gets paid, when Quinn Hughes gets paid? Because we know now out of RFA status that these guys are expecting to get a monster contract. So you're going to have to be smart about it the next few years if you want to find yourself in this position year after year. That's what the best teams do. It is Hockey Central at noon right here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan, Kelly Kirsch, Logan Gordon, Peter Klein. Uh, we're going to take a, a break here. Don't forget, we've got the big show coming up at 1 o'clock. The return of Patrick Steinberg at 2 o'clock. And lots of hockey for you after 6 o'clock right here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. We're going to check in with our uh, with our uh, playoff pool. we got uh, the first round done, and we'll see who's left. We'll talk with our commissioner, the one, the only, Kevin Walker, next right here on Hockey Central at noon. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Big show coming up at 1 o'clock. He's back from his holiday. Patrick Steinberg in after 2 o'clock and lots of hockey for you. Right here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan as we've been loaded up with all kinds of play-by-play just the way we like it. Got two games for you tonight, two for you tomorrow, and then after that, I don't know. We'll have to see how she goes. Let's uh, head down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline and talk to our... uh, 
our playoff commissioner. He is Kevin Walker from Iconic Electric and Controls. Kev, how are you? Not too bad, Kelly. Yourself? Uh, you know what? It's Monday. It's the last day of August, but here we are <laughs> talking about playoff hockey, which I think is a good thing. So you, uh, you're, uh, you've are you been doing the tabulations, and after round one ended and everybody sort of you know cried in their beer about the Flames getting knocked out, we, we do have a winner for, uh, I guess, the first round of the playoffs, but for our contest, we consider the qualifying round, round one. So who is our round two winner? Yeah, so uh, with 197 total points after those two rounds that you mentioned, it's uh, the Mighty Pucks, uh, and that uh, team is owned, or I guess managed by Sandra McQueen, is the name that we have for them. So we'll be getting a a nice gift card from Backyard Meats and uh, see how they do here in the third round when the the dust settles. So here's what's happening with that. Uh, It's actually, you know, it's Matt and Sandra on the email. So that's Matt McQueen, who is a hardcore listener, Love the guy, okay. and he's hardcore hockey, so good for Matt and Sander for doing that. Now, what happened to uh, to uh, Gerald O'Coin and his uh, GFG team? Are they? Yeah, I think uh, when you load up a little heavy with one team, if they are players from one team, that is, and they don't uh, they don't pull through for you, uh, much like my team with the Leafs <laughs> and the Flames, it yes. uh, didn't really work out too hot for me, and I think the same kind of thing ended up happening there with Gerald. So Okay. Now, we've got some... We got some series that could be over in five. What is uh, you kind of looking at the, at the scores? How how round two is going to play out? We might have a winner sooner than later. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, right now the first overall team uh, when I checked the other day was actually Mister Pinder's crew. Uh, he's now fallen to second place and four points back of the Lords of Lettuce. So we'll see how those guys do. Um, don't, don't mess with the all. Lords of Lettuce, Kev. Like you know, yeah, they are yeah, exactly. Uh, not to be messed around with, so that that's pretty cool. So we'll find yeah, out. We'll find about that. Yeah, uh, and now, so they get a, a nice gift card from Backyard Meats, so they can do some barbecuing here as uh, summer turns into fall. And then, of course, our grand prize will be that smoker with uh, with Paradise uh, Bay providing that. So looking forward to it. So thanks for uh, taking time out. We I bet you we'll have you on sooner than later. I, that's a little prediction. Yeah, for you. I think that's the way it's going to go here with uh, all series at three one. So. Yeah. I think we we'll, uh, we haven't had a haven't had a game seven yet, so no. I'm looking forward to one. I was hoping that maybe, uh, as much as I'm not a Vancouver fan, I was hoping that that series might go the distance because it's been some pretty good hockey so far. Yeah. Well, Kev, thanks for uh, doing that. Thanks for uh, checking us out, and we will uh, we'll get you on after round. Well, for our terms, round three. Sounds good. There we go, Kevin Walker from uh, the commissioner from. Uh, Iconic Electric and Controls down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar now open for limited dine-in service with all safety precautions in place. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the best pizza, pasta, steaks, and ribs since 1975. Check them out at 6060 Memorial Drive. You can eat in, you can take out, you can have it delivered. Might be uh, getting some uh, hockey watching today. Might be just the thing. All right, we'll take a break. Hey, what do you guys got coming up for the old Big Show Hour 1, PK? What's what's the plan? We have uh, Ryan Pike coming on. Normally we talk Flames. That would be a quick conversation. So uh, just talking all things Stanley Cup playoffs with Ryan Pike. Uh, we're hoping to get a fantasy football expert on, but uh, so far all efforts have been shut down. So 
it might just be Logo and I being fantasy football experts, but that's uh, a position. Yeah, we've, we've both been in that spot before, so we're fine with that. So, yeah, some fantasy football and some hockey talk for the uh, first hour of the big show. What's wrong with your Raptors? What what was that? <laughs> uh, I'm just going to chalk it up to one bad game. I hope it's just one bad game because that was a very bad game. Uh, they did. Fred Van Vliet was talking with the media today, and he said, anything you're supposed to do to win we did none of it they played zero seconds of winning basketball so i'm hoping it just everyone sucked at the same time and they got it out of their system because i'm jumping off that bandwagon so quick like i'm almost (laughs) on it now and uh yeah it's gonna happen so they you know if they lose the next game i might be right uh, i might be off it down 10 in the first quarter and and you're gone (laughs) stupid (laughs) sport don't like it anyway uh okay we will uh take a break the boys will have the big show hour one steinberg in after two o'clock and lots of hockey for you after six right here on sportsnet 960 the fan